Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast, a discussion of God's extraordinary works through His ordinary ways. My name is Winston Weber, and Pastor Mike, how are you doing today? I am doing well by the grace of God, Winston. Good to be with you. Amen. So, Mike, today, I didn't let you know what we're talking about. It seems like that's been going pretty well. Listeners, I have no idea what I'm going to hear next. That's right, because then all of a sudden, (laughs) boom, I drop the bomb on you, so that way we can see how you respond in real time, and it That's helps right. us a little bit. I've got my Bible in hand. Yeah, right you got here. sword ready to go, so you got trust that in the Holy Spirit and your brain and the Holy Spirit. So now, let's talk about our subject. Okay. Today we are discussing the topic of Christians and addiction. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So really, we want to divide it into two types of camps: the personal and the external. So those who struggle with addiction personally, as well as those who have family members or who know friends who are struggling with addiction. Now, addiction, when we talk about that, we're not just talking about, you know, drugs or alcohol. This can include things, drugs, alcohol, pornography, sex, uh, food, food, sleep, uh, video games. Work. Yeah, many of these different things. Some things that would be in other contexts good things but in too large of a quantity can actually be a detriment and so that's when we talk about addictions that's what we're going to talk about today sound good yes great so mike let's start with an inward look first let's say i come to you and i say mike i'm really struggling with addiction x all right do you think first off that it matters what type of an addiction it is well, it's going to matter in terms of context, of course, and what you're bringing to me, because how we address it is going to be driven by what exactly it is. So just kind of on the baseline, of course, it matters what it is, because if you just come to me and say, I'm dealing with an addiction, but I'm not going to tell you what it is, uh, but you need to help me. I'm not going to be able to help you that much, except on the macro, I can give you lots of biblical help, lots of relational help, lots of you know wisdom ideas. But if we don't drill down to the actual issue and get into the micro details, you're probably not going to actually get much help as it pertains to as you walk away and you deal with that and you're tempted right then or in an hour or the next day. Yeah, so it really depends on how open you're going to be with the person that you're asking for help. I believe so. In fact, one of the things I've said many times is you've got to be honest enough to make a difference. Like you've got to actually be able to have true fellowship with a person. And that really means to disclose of yourself. And so uh, you get with a trusted friend and you go to a trusted friend and that's someone who you know well and you trust a lot and you share your heart with them and you confess your sins, you expose your weakness and you, you talk with them about the thing you need help with. Yeah. So let's take a case study then let's just take alcohol. It seems kind of one of those ones that's sort of in the middle as far as drasticness. Uh, There are plenty of people who would say, oh, well, maybe I drink too much, but I'm not like on drugs or something. And then you have other people who who would say that alcohol is way worse than, say, pornography or uh, video games or something like that. So let's take kind of this middle road approach, if you will. Uh, maybe it's not as middle road as I'm making it out to be, but <laughs> okay. talk to me. Let's say we have someone who is struggling with an alcohol addiction. Okay. Let's, let me, let me start with this. Okay. Let's just talk about general, any addiction. Can sure. we do that? Let's, let's go, go back for a minute. Okay. Step back, take a step back. 
So in the context, I'm going to assume a couple things, and you tell me if, if this is not where you're tracking. We're talking about believers that are dealing with an addiction. Yes. yes. Okay. So right now, everybody, as you're listening to this, you know this is in the context of being a believer in Jesus Christ. You believe in the shed blood of Christ in your place. Jesus died for our sins on the cross. He was buried. He rose on the third day, and he ascended to the Father, and now in, and we're waiting for his return. Uh, a person who's put their faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. So we're talking about believers, and I think the thing that we want to always do is bring people to their identity in Christ. Always. Now, not at the very beginning of the conversation, but I think at the beginning of our conversation here, it's helpful. And I want to take us to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where it basically says that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you are God's people. You had once not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so, this is the context in which we live, and it even goes on and says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So the idea of someone coming and saying, I have an addiction, they already know something's wrong, hmm. right? They know they're sinful. They know they're prone to excess. They know they tend to go out of balance, and they're coming with saying, I have something wrong. So they're not coming to you celebrating something and saying, I want to tell you about the, the really good thing going on in my life. This is not a testimony of the faithfulness of God. What this is is a confession of sin, really. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to realize that. And, and we want to talk to people about their identity in Christ as well as forgiveness in Christ and freedom in Christ and things like that. But you talked about alcohol. And so if you want to get a little specific here, you know, God wants us to walk in freedom, not slavery. Right? Don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Don't go back into your old sins. In fact, in 1 Peter 2, 11, it says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And so a lot of that is um, gospel-focused, right? That is a gospel-centered. But let's say someone's dealing with alcohol and they're if they're addicted, that means they're in, ingesting too much of it, right? They're drinking too much. So what that means is they understand that they're doing that. So you're not doing an intervention here where you're going to someone and saying, you know, buddy, I think you are drinking too much and you might have a problem. They're coming to you, right? And they're saying, I have a problem with this. Well, that's, that's wonderful that they actually are at the point where they will admit it. Well, before we get into the external side, I want to I talk about the personal side. Okay. Um, so let's say that for you, right, I'm going to stand in for the listener for a moment. Okay. I'm coming to you. I have an alcohol addiction. I, I struggle with alcoholism. What exactly am I supposed to do? First, I, I recognize my own sin. I recognize this is not the way that I should be living, mm-hmm. but I, I feel so trapped. How do I get out of this situation? Okay, well, here's the thing. So you use some really good words there. I feel trapped. How do I get out? Okay, so you're trapped and you want to be free. You're, you're trapped and you want to be away from that thing that's hurting you. And we know the answers, but it's going to be really hard to actually get untrapped. Okay, so I guess I would just say that. Let's be realistic. Like I could say, well, just don't do that anymore. Just don't drink just anymore. Just stop it. Just stop it, right? And it's like, you know, that's not going to help the person who's like, I am helpless to help myself right now. 
that's where a Christian has to lean on Christ. But there's also got to be other things like, uh, you know, at some point you got to get rid of all the alcohol in your house. You got to get, you have to stop going to a, a, the bar or the liquor store, wherever you go to get your alcohol. At some point, something has to change. And we talked about repentance the other night in the Q&A. And one of the things that came out was that repentance, metanoia, is not just a change of mind. It is a change of mind that affects your actions, your choices. So if the person's coming to you and saying, I want to be free, I sense a repentant heart there who's confessing that they know they shouldn't be doing this and they want to break free. Then what they're doing is they want to submit themselves to whatever advice you give them. So someone's coming to you for help. And the first thing you say is... I come and I ask you, Pastor Mike, I'm struggling with uh, alcohol addiction. I just can't seem to stop. What do I need to change? What is happening? I feel so trapped and locked. What am I supposed to do? Well, first of all, I would uh, thank the person for coming in, obviously, and thank them for trusting me with this in their life. I would assure them that I'm going to be confidential with what we talk about. It's going to stay between us. But also just say thanks for admitting that you have this problem. We all have tons of problems. But I'm glad that God has brought you to the point where you want to talk about it and you want to get help. So I really commend you for doing that. So that, that's the first thing I would do. Obviously, you want to point a person to Scripture and prayer. But the, the, I think the second thing I would do after you know commending them for coming and, and talking about it is ask some good probing questions. Because I don't know the situation and they're saying, hey, I've got this problem. Well, can you tell me a little bit about it? You know, when did it start? Um, how long has this been going on? How frequent is this in your life? And really get into some you know, probing questions that will help them uncover the situation a bit more and shed more light on it. And then you kind of go from there. And I think really every situation is different, but you're going to point them to how they can best get the help they know they need. They came to you, they're coming to me for help. And so they want to be free. Remember, they're trapped and they want to be free. So we're going to probably, what I wouldn't do is say, here, I'm going to write this on a three by five card. Here are three things you have to do. See you next week. <laughs> yeah. I would probably ask them enough questions where, um, and ask them what they think they should do because most of the time they people know what they all ought to do. They need accountability and help in getting there, sure. right? And they need a friend walking alongside them. And so I would help, I would come alongside them and then help come up with something together of, well, what do you want to do? What, what is the thing you want to do? Let's come up with your goal. Okay, so you're trapped and you want to be free. And if you say, well, I don't want to drink at all anymore. Okay, so what will that take for you to do that? Let's talk about it mm -hmm. and really get into the nitty gritty, kind of get into some uh, details. Sure. So I think that really to help someone, you've got to assure them that they're in a safe place, that it's okay for them to admit this. Christians should be able to talk about anything together and come with any problem without any fear of judgment, without any fear of being pushed away or rejected and say, look, this is what it means to follow Christ as you're struggling with this situation. Don't run from Christ, run to Christ. Uh, he is your helper. He is your shield. He is, he is your strength. You know, he is the rock. And, and really point him to scripture, point him to who they are in Christ, but also to the comforting message of forgiveness in Christ. Because yeah. a lot of times there's a lot of self-condemnation you're coming with a problem, I'm coming with a problem, and I'm just feeling horrible about myself. Yeah, well, and to that end, it can actually keep you from opening up to those around you of like, man, I'm really struggling with this, but 
I can't I can't open up to those around me because otherwise they'll condemn me, they'll judge me, or I'll be looked at as a pariah and an outcast in this place. But right. really, I, as you're as you're saying, the first step is recognizing you have a problem. The second step is going to someone to figure out how to solve it. Right, and, and we have to in the Christian community we have to get away from this idea that everyone needs to just look great and put on a happy face and smile. No, there's a lot of tough things in life that if we don't interact and engage with other believers about these things, where are we getting our answers from? We're going to go to the world and ask them what they think we should do. It'll lead us deeper into the thing we want to be free from. So I think there no topic should be off limits in the in Christian community and especially in trusted Christian community. And no question is off limits. I think we need to open that up more and and really be honest with one another about what's going on in our lives, not to focus on the issues or the sin or the struggles, but to focus ourselves on Christ and the gospel. Because really for every situation of life, every issue, it's what does the Bible say? And how does what Jesus did at the cross redeem this? How does, how does what Jesus did at the cross transform this? What's the possibility of transformation in my life because of what Jesus did? So Mike, when it comes to this situation where someone's coming to you and saying, I have a problem, I want to fix it, I want to be free. Mm -hmm. That is oftentimes the easier route. I mean, it's still going to be a difficult road for that person, but it's easier than, say, the person who doesn't recognize that they have a problem and is actively living in sin and is completely fine or even celebrating it. Mm -hmm. So if you have a friend you're going to sit in for the listener now. Okay. If you Let's say you have a friend or a family member who is struggling with an addiction. Mm-hmm. How do you approach them with it without sounding as though you are condemning them for everything they've ever done in their life? And how do you do that so as to start a guiding process of getting them out of their addiction? So this is the toughest thing, right? Actively living in sin and even celebrating it, what do you do with that family member, that that friend, that person you love and deeply care for and want the best for, how do you approach them with this? This is tough. You know, first I would say approach the situation prayerfully. Are you the one to go? You know, if, if you can't wait to set them straight, don't do it. If, if you're dreading it, you should probably seriously consider it. You need to come lovingly. I think you need to be very cautious because they're not expecting you to come to them. They don't know what you've been thinking or what you've been observing. They might be blind to it. And so I'd be very, very careful to approach a person who's actively living in sin and celebrating it and basically to go and correct them. That's a tough one, okay? I'm not saying you should never do it. I'm saying be very, very careful and wise and seek wise, godly counsel without gossiping before you go. And be very careful, be very cautious, and you've got to go from a position of relationship. If you don't have relationship with the person, it's going to be even tougher because you don't have a relationship of trust. Now, that doesn't mean it's impossible, but it's tougher. So you would go to them, and I think you would just express your love for them and your care for them first. You want to let them know you care about them, you're not rejecting them, you're not uh, judging them and condemning them. You really want what's best for them. Now, if their response is, thank you, but no thank you, you shouldn't keep pushing. They're not ready to hear it. Sometimes you just need to walk away and and leave them 
to the mercy of God, really leave them to the grace and mercy of God. Like, God, please do a work in their hearts because you might even say to them, I understand and I'll respect that, but just know that I'm here for you to talk and just know that I'm, you know, I'm praying for you and that I want what's best. And if and when you're ready, I'll be here. And see, here's where I think this one gets even more sticky is you're talking about a person who is probably a professing Christian in this case. That's why you're going to them. Mm -hmm. Somebody who you love, somebody who is struggling with something that is destroying their life. Right. I think of it as especially in the realm of drugs where it's readily apparent as to where their life is spiraling, right? And it has serious physical effects on that person and you're watching it mm -hmm. absolutely destroy their life right. and they're not going to want to hear that they're in a terrible situation and mm -hmm. so you're telling me i just have to back off and wait well here's the thing you can't force people to make certain decisions you just can't do it and you've got to be ready really yes you've got to be able to back off and wait when they're refusing you or rejecting you so here's another thing. Let's say that they're open to talking. They're open to the conversation. You have an open door and an opportunity to speak into their life. You have to be ready and really brace yourself for them possibly to get angry with you or resent you for bringing this up. You've got to be ready to be misunderstood. You've got to be ready to mis be misquoted. I think you've just got to be ready for whatever comes your way with this and realize you're taking a risk going to this person and trying to talk with them. You've got to think about how you're coming across. Literally, the tone of voice, the look on your face, everything about that. Because too many people will feel judged and feel condemned. And it makes sense. They're, they're going to get defensive because what you're doing is saying, you are not living the right way. No one likes to hear that. And it's always best when the Holy Spirit works in a believer's heart to bring us to you know, uh, conviction of sin and confession of our sin, really repentance of our sin. Sometimes we get hardened in our hearts, and sometimes someone does need to go. Those are very uncomfortable moments, but that's what it talks about, admonishing the unruly and rebuking uh, people that are sinning in a way. And rebuke, it doesn't mean you go and slam them. It means that you, you give a strong statement to them wrapped in love. This always has to be with all the one another's and the love and the mercy and the kindness of God and, and really you just wanting what's best. Pause. So Mike, talk to me a little bit more about that approach. You said it was a very important thing. I need to be watching my face, my, my tone of voice, the specific mm -hmm. words that I choose. Can you bring that out a little bit more if it's so important? Help me understand it a little bit better. Okay, I'll take you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Here's what Paul says. We urge you, brothers... This is a strong urging. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And the idea is this would be helping the weak. This would be someone that's trapped, someone that is in a sin, that is hurting them, and it's pretty obvious. And I think we just need to know that this is a risk we're taking, and we need to be very, very wise. Uh, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. And just remember this, that we are instructed in Galatians 6 that if someone is caught in a transgression, Galatians 6, 1, you who are spiritual, and that doesn't mean, oh, I'm better. That means you're, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're walking in Christ. You've confessed your own sins. Uh, those who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So it says, be gentle. And then it says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. 
Don't think yourself righteous. Don't think yourself better. Don't think yourself higher or or cleaner or, you know, more pure. Okay. It says in verse two, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. To bear the burden, that word for burden is literally the word for overload. Their back is breaking under the load. It says, if anyone thinks he is something when he has nothing, he deceives himself. So as you're going to help the person, don't deceive yourself and think, well, I'm going to help this poor little person who's so stuck and, wow, they're so sinful and I would never do that. (laughs) You're not the person to go and help them if you're going to think that way. It says, let each one test his own work. Then he will have reason to boast in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. All that means is this. You do your normal cargo. You do your normal responsibility. But when there's an overload, you go and help. And the Bible tells us that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways literally like snatches their soul from the flames of hell. It's like it literally like you're, you're doing something that is redemptive here. And, and the other thing is this. Galatians 6, 7 tells us, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So if you're going to someone to help them because you sincerely want to help and you're not judging them in your heart, you're not talking behind their back, you seriously just want to help them, just know that if you have the opportunity, do that good. Do that good, especially to fellow believers. So now we got a, a even more sticky situation for you. Okay. I understand that you know if I'm struggling with addiction, I need to be open and honest. I need to be careful about how I approach that with other people uh, when they are struggling with addiction or how they come to me. But now I got a worse one for you. Someone admits they have a problem. They claim they want to change, but I'm not seeing any change in their life. What's going on? Well, first of all, know this. We're not the judge, right? James makes it really clear. Uh, Don't be judging each other. The Lord is the judge, and the judge is standing at the door, right? James 5, 9. So don't grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So let's just say you go and help a person, and you go, well, they're not changing. They're not doing the thing I want them to do. And maybe you're right, but you're wrong in the attitude you're portraying. Just remember, God's the judge, and, and, and God's the forgiver, and, and Christ is the, is the Savior, and Christ is the Lord. And by the way, by the way, the Lord is merciful and compassionate. That's what James 5.11 tells us, that the Lord is compassionate. He is, he is merciful. And so, look, James 5.19 says this. I alluded to this earlier. If any among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, there it is. You're wandering from the truth. You're doing something wrong. You're sinning. And someone brings you back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's just say you help a person and you don't see the traction you're hoping to see. Just know that God knows their heart. And don't be too quick to jump all over them and you know, say they're not putting in the work and all that kind of stuff. I would say this. Each situation is different. Be merciful, be kind, be compassionate, and help the person. If they're not making the changes, maybe go to them and say, how are you doing? 
and, and let them talk. How are, are things going? How is your action plan going? Most likely, if you're coming to them like that, they're going to be like, I'm just doing horribly. You know, I'm a mess. And like, okay, you know what? Sometimes it's one step forward and two steps back. Sometimes the process of sanctification is really, really tough. Maybe read Romans 7 with them. Maybe start at the end of Romans 6, where it talks about how you shouldn't be slaves of sin. Now you're slaves of God. But then go into 7 and say, look at the struggle that Paul went through. The very thing I want to do, I'm not doing. The very thing I hate, I'm doing. Wow, there's a man getting sanctified by the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, in Christ, and he's struggling. But he also knows the victory he has in Christ. And he also knows the victory that he's, he's looking forward to in the future, right? We're citizens of heaven. Uh, we're, we're bound to this globe right now, but our home is in heaven. And we have a, a future hope where we will be free from these bodies of sin. And we will be free from any addiction that is hounding us. Well, then I have a last question for you. Am I only looking forward to the point in heaven when I am free from my addiction? Or can I have victory here on earth as a guarantee? Victory on earth is possible, but that last word you used, as, as a guarantee, guarantee, no. You might be lamenting and, and slugging it out and fighting through, walking through mud, swimming through mud on, in this earthly life, and you have a hope in heaven. But no, it's not guaranteed that you're going to be free from everything. Now, can you walk in victory? Absolutely. But, you know, sanctification is a lifelong uh, work of God and man where we are made more like Christ. God is in charge, but we must be cooperating. We must be wanting that. So if we're going the, the wrong direction and, and, and we're struggling, but we're also going back into sins, then we've got to be honest with God. We've got to be honest with others and get the help we need, but also make the changes that are necessary. So I'd say it's, it's absolutely extremely possible. But to sit here and say it's guaranteed if you do X, Y, and Z, that just wouldn't be responsible of me to say, um, you know, as I wield the sword of the Spirit, as I open up my Bible, I'm not seeing total freedom here on earth. I am seeing thanks be to God who gives us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ, and sometimes that victory will be on the other side. Absolutely. Now, should we expect slow and steady growth throughout that sin that we are involved in? Let me just say this. Slow and steady growth through a sin is a little bit of an oxymoron, okay? I would say this. You can't be sinning and worshiping at the same time. You can't be following Christ closely or sinning at the same time. You are either going towards Christ or away from Christ. So you need to repent of sin, which means you change your mind and you change your actions in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the idea that slow and steady growth, yes. So in sanctification, it is slow and steady wins the race, okay? It's not going to be a 100-yard sprint and then you go sit and sip lemonade for the rest of the time in the shade. No, you're going to be um, struggling. You might be struggling this side of heaven. You might be struggling every day with something. We call them besetting sins or sins that drag us down. Um, but Hebrews says, you know, lay aside every weight. Hebrews 12, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with endurance the race set before us. Well, endurance, that's agony. Literally, it's agony. And so I'm going to take us, by the way, let's rustle some Bible pages here. I'm going to take us to uh, the end of Romans chapter 7, when Paul said, wretched man that I am. 
literally like, wretched man that I am. He, he's, he's distraught in his soul. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's your answer. And he says, so then I serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. He's realizing in this life that he is sinning and he, and he doesn't want to, and he's confessing and he's doing the right thing. And it's one step forward, two steps back. But then he gets to Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. But guess what? It goes on to say that those who set their mind on the spirit have life and peace. But to set the mind on the flesh is death. So the idea is you want to set your mind on the things that please God. You want to set your mind on putting to death the deeds of the body so you will live, Romans 8.13. So it takes concentrated effort on our part, and you don't do it alone. God is with you. Believer, listener, listen to this. Jesus is with you if you're a believer, and you need your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. And see, that's really the whole point of why we're doing this podcast, right, is to encourage those who have church around them mm-hmm. to act as a church, right? to build one another up, to bear one another's burdens, mm-hmm. to really look out for those who are struggling and caught in these sins that they can be free from. We, we know that to be true, and we, we, we hope that through this we can provide resources that are beneficial. And Mike— we have provided resources in the past on this, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to mention one thing. We have some elder position papers at Grace Orange, and I know the first question you brought up was about addiction to alcohol. We actually have a position paper on alcohol consumption. And, you know, we desire for believers to glorify God by ordering their lives according to biblical principles. And so we discuss this in this paper. It's a short paper. It's a quick read it's filled with the scriptures, but it's around five areas drunkenness, causing a brother to stumble, licentiousness, obeying the law, and the glory of God. And the Bible doesn't prohibit drinking alcohol, but it doesn't make a concerted effort to encourage it either. Uh, This is an area where there's difference of opinion among believers. Um, There are more prohibitions on the abuse of alcohol than on the wise use of it in Scripture. But this might help you if if you're struggling with, with that topic this paper might help you, this position paper might help you. Um, But I would say this, whatever you might be struggling with, be in close Christian community with other believers that you trust and be honest with God and be honest with them. Amen. And one time we're going to have to do a episode all on like alcohol consumption and freedom in Christ and all like that's a very sticky (laughs) topic sometimes so we'll have to dig into that one time I would welcome that one yeah so I think that's going to wrap it up for us here today all right you can always send your emails to ordinarychurch at gmail.com maybe suggest a topic or ask questions and we're going to try to get to them on air and we hope you'll join us next Thursday as we remain faithful even in the ordinary